Massachusetts. Woo! And we are about two hours outside of Boston. Boston. What what seems like the middle of nowhere, except for the people who live here, because <laughs> there are people living here. But for us, it's a long way out, but it's really an amazing vibe. It's a, it's a beautiful setting. It's like a farmhouse vibe. We're at a, a county fair type environment. It's the curators, uh, the team associated with, connected to the Hall of Flowers. So it's the same vibe that's going on in the West Coast, now brought to the East Coast. And there's all kinds of cool individuals from the American cannabis industry here. Are we good? I saw a look of concern. Oh, yeah, well, there's a little bit of a wind, so the tent might fly off. But if it, that make a very better podcast. So we are going to grab some of the really cool individuals that we meet. And as we get to know them, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna, there's the stuff falling down over there. Are we okay? Good catch, Destiny. Yeah, we can keep going. It's all good. Yeah. Okay, yeah so, so I'm Rita from Mita, <laughs> and we're here with Meg Sanders from Canna. Canna Provisions. Yeah. Provisions, yes. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. What brings you out to Flower Expo? Why the Flower Expo? We can go so many places, but. Um, well, I think, you know, this is obviously inaugural, so we wanted to check it out. And we knew several people that were going to be um, doing tents here. And we really just wanted to, A, check it out, B, say hi to our friends, and uh, C, do a little business. So. Yeah, I like with the, the Bellow, Eric Bellow, Jason Bellow, I've known them for a while. They've, they're associated with the Hall of Flowers. They, they create a nice little vibe. They curate a nice little vibe. So there's so many industry individuals that are coming out here. So we thought it was appropriate to bring our podcast out here. And we've never met before. So as we get to know each other, we can introduce you to the audience out there. Meg, your journey in cannabis started in 2009? 2009 in Colorado. So you're one of the OGs. Originally from Texas? Yeah, originally from How Texas. How did that get started? Texas to Colorado. I um, moved there? when I was little, and uh, it was basically a uh, 70s oil crisis. Was, oh, okay. And so my dad moved. He was in oil in Texas and moved to Colorado, and here we are uh, now in Massachusetts. But yeah, I started, in my cannabis journey definitely started in Colorado. Um, yeah, so I, it just in the wildest west of any and all of it. You, I can't even explain how crazy it was. And literally, over it felt like overnight there were dispensaries everywhere, and every warehouse in the state had been leased up, and people were growing weed. And like, was looking back like the scariest way possible, <laughs> like just not a ton of controls, and the cleanliness was not a concern, and there was no badging, there was no license, there was no permitting. We just crossed our fingers and hope that it would all come together and it did so it all worked out to full regulations in 2012 and then obviously adult use uh passed and then we were off to the races in that and what were you uh yeah. you manufacturing cultivation branding retail what was your uh, colorado in colorado in colorado similar to how medical started here in mass you had to be vertically integrated so okay. you had to have a grow and a store you couldn't be independent um, and we started with cultivation and, uh, I think at the time 13 stores and we whittled that down to seven. And I think overall it just turned into such an incredible enterprise where as we started and if people, I know it's a, it's a bit cliche, but, um, I mean, we were literally flying the plane, building the plane, refueling the plane while we were trying to fly the plane. And it was incredibly hard but also a great learning opportunity to build out regulations along with the regulators as opposed to 
um, walking into a, a situation that's already built and planned and all those things. So, and what was your professional background before cannabis? Um, I was a compliance director at a small family office. Um, okay. So basically dealing with about 20 traders internationally that I managed to make sure they didn't go over their trading amounts, got all their trades cleared, that kind of thing. So compliance was how I entered yeah. the space. Um, I started for a company that ended up being mindful. That's what it was called, is mindful. Right. Um, started working with our attorney and um, quickly actually moved to the CEO role uh, with probably oh. within about a year and a half. It's impressive. For, uh, and just jump in. I know you're, you're she always yeah. has really good questions, but it's like interrupting, you know, you interrupt me. Good, jump no, in, I am going to interrupt you. I don't <laughs> mind interrupting but, you. But for an ex-prosecutor, for an ex-compliance <laughs> director, uh, you know, specialist, you know, it's, it's been a fast, for me, it's been a fascinating uh, intellectual exercise as we've had dispensaries in Arizona, so 2012, 13, 14, but, you know, watching the regulations involved, watching the lawmakers, watching the government officials get involved, the administrators, you know, and then pulling stuff out of thin air, you know, trying to invent stuff, everybody trying to figure it out as to how ultimately what just as a plant, you know, needs to be properly, properly regulated after prohibition, which was an unbelievable improper form of regulation. It's It's got had to be a fascinating intellectual exercise for you, right? It definitely was. I mean, and at, at Colorado being the first really to have official regulations and licenses on the books, even though California started earlier, they didn't have a, they didn't have a, bo a regulatory body to manage them. So, um, you know, I'm really proud of the stamp that we put on that. I'm really proud of the work that I did in Colorado with regards to regulations um, and, you know, meeting with our legislative body on a very regular basis, super active legislative body in, in Colorado, a lot different than here in Mass. So, you know, just, I think for me, really just understanding, I had a civics lessons as I was going through right. all of this too, because I was intimately involved with um, our city councils and then also our Colorado legislators. And then also as things kind of progressed, we had many visitors that would come in and, and tour FBI, um, CIA, um, NSA. I mean, it was really an incredible um, thing to watch as well, be part uh, of all of these people. Guide. Yeah, all of these different, um, I don't know, agencies. Agencies yeah. were trying to figure out what the hell we were doing. The different versions of the it. man. What's the most interesting story you had with that? Oh, my most interesting story getting called into the regulatory office. I'm going to hold our tent down. But hold sorry. the tent down. <laughs> um, Getting called into our regulatory office, which at the time was the Marijuana Enforcement Division, the MED, mm -hmm. and sitting down with our two regulators that I met with all the time, and there's this dude sitting in between them. And I keep going back and forth. Ask, they're asking me questions. They're asking me about some partner. They're asking me questions about that partner. And it kind of dawned on me that this was a little bit of an interrogation in a way, a uh -oh. fact-finding mission, right? And I, I remember looking at both my regulators and then looking at the guy in the middle and going, I'm sorry, who are you and who are you with? Yeah. And he was FBI. Do I have the right to remain well, silent? He was <laughs> FBI. And I, I mean, at that moment, I did rip into my regulators. I'm like, don't ever do that to me again. Yeah. I, I'm always cooperative. Just don't, don't, don't sandbag me like that. That was yeah, just horrible. Yeah, that's not cool. But it, it ended up being fine. They were actually, uh, they were investigating a former partner. Um, and so I answered what I could and, I didn't have to meet with them again, but can you imagine That's the second, the second really cool cannabis experience that I was brought in as cannabis person um, was at Washington D.C. Um, and it was basically for um, 
protecting, it was a, it was a, uh, a workshop on how to protect our, our bioeconomy. Well, what year was that? Mm, I want to say 2015, probably. And I got to sit as the only cannabis person at the table with the White House, FBI, CIA, NSA, um, multiple, like, DEA, um, and then a whole bunch of private companies. And it was so fascinating because to be included, that they were concerned about protecting the crops. That was awesome. I was like, wow, this is a great committee. And I remember sitting across, they were talking about um, all of the DNA mapping that they want to do and kind of open source all this information. And I was like, I, I just remember looking across the table. They're like, what are, your, what are your concerns? And I'm like, I have a concern. So if everybody knows DNA if, and everybody knows in different communities, this is the DNA, what's to stop the zombie apocalypse? And they literally bust out laughing so hard. It was, it was a really cool opportunity to kind of have some fun with really high up people. I was, it was very cool. Do you think when you were younger that you would ever be in the cannabis industry? Like no. that ever crossed your mind? I didn't even know what weed was until I was in high school. So yeah, I had I, no idea. Isn't it insane how like you're in the cannabis industry, yeah. you know? Yeah, exactly. I, I grew up in the just say no, Nancy Reagan brain. Yeah, fine. yeah. The brain, the media ex- nonsense. This is, this is your brain on lies. <laughs> it's actually, um, so well, we're gonna, I want to get to canna provision so we can, you know, get, get yeah, to, yeah. to what that is. What were the name of the stores back in? Colorado early? Mindful. Colorado Mindful. Yeah, and then Mindful and then Livewell ended up actually purchasing us. And, um, and at that at kind of at this similar time frame, um, there was a lot of work outside of the state of Colorado to be done consulting, you know, working with various new right. states as they came online. So we started um, consulting quite a bit. Okay. Kind of lived on an airplane for about four years. And um, what years were- over here? That was basically <laughs> 20, uh, 2016 through um, 2018. Okay. And that's honestly consulting is how we found can provisions. Okay. So, the can provisions. Yeah. This and is my ex prosecutor habit of taking notes, taking notes. Uh, chronologically and then writing down questions, like, yeah. you know, kind of thing. Yeah, so we were super fortunate right after legalization happened. Well, not right after because it took forever. But as soon as regulations from Massachusetts adult use market hit, we started consulting quite a bit. We had several clients in Massachusetts. Okay. And honestly, um, the thing that really got me interested in this specific license, because I wasn't planning on going back into operations. I don't know why you would. It's so hard. I mean, it really is hard. It's a lot of work, yeah. And I basically, what ended up happening was I drove over the Mass Pike. Um, There's a pass that you drive over and you drop into the Berkshires. And I just remember going, oh my gosh, I'd been homesick because I'd moved to Connecticut to consult out here. And I was so homesick for Colorado, big open skies and mountains and rivers. And I remember driving over and just going, I'm home. And that was it. I was like, yeah, I want to work. I want to do this company. And so they hired me as CEO and we raised some money and off to the races with Canna Provision. And that's awesome to hear that you say that because I was hearing today by a couple of folks that they in here in Massachusetts, they basically want to do what like Colorado, they want to like do what's in their market, but even better. And so it's interesting to hear you say that. I think it's, um, we are in an interesting time in this market right now where, with oversaturation. Exactly, um, like California. Over cultivation. Mm-hmm. I mean, Colorado went through the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Oklahoma is certainly going through it. Michigan is getting pounded right now. Um, but you, at, the, but uh, at the, end of the end of the day, right, it's, it's just a business model. You just yeah. have to adjust your business model. And how do you see right. Massachusetts in the future? 
Um, I think it's going to be competitive for a while. I think we're going to see more consolidation. I think we're going to see um, more uh, exodus, honestly. You know, truly is exiting. I've heard of a couple of other MSOs that are probably either going to mothball or shutter. And um, it's all part of the deal. I, for me, I've always been a fan. I've never been a, hey, let's build Walmart for weed. That's never been my business model or my passion. My passion is craft-grown, um, definitely community-based, uh, respecting where the plant came from and having really thoughtful conversations um, with regulatory bodies about social equity and um, making sure that people that have been disenfranchised or basically taken advantage of by the government uh, because of this plant, just getting them right and in the business if that's where they want to be. The people who really want to be for the plant are in well, the business. Well, think yeah. about it. Had all these people not risked everything to grow, we wouldn't have a business. Yeah. Exactly. You know, it's interesting you said oversaturation because I always like to remind people, I, I don't use those words because the whole supply chain should be determined by the, the natural course of things. I'm a real big believer in the free market. And a lot of people, like, you know, especially Arizona, we're one of the people groups that championed uh, insisted upon the limited licensing model uh, to a degree that is just extraordinary. I know Colorado was not you not know, that, not that, not that. But <laughs> and uh, Massachusetts isn't that either. It's, yeah, it's definitely free market. Yeah, but limited licensing creates a, a lot of barriers to to entry for the ordinary citizens to be entrepreneurs to you know to come up with that craft idea in cannabis, whether it's a brand or a retail or a cultivation. So I've always, you know, a lot of industry talk about it, oversaturation happens, you know, and, and the supply and, and how the prices are going down. And I keep telling people, it is what it is, plan accordingly. You know, I was just on the phone with an individual asking what to do with the $9 million cultivation property that he bought uh, to get ready to go in one of these states. And the price of cannabis has gone so far down, it's no longer a wise investment. And I said, tough, tough titties, dude. You made a bad choice. You know, I'm sorry, I can't, I'm, I got four cultivations in your state that I'm trying to sell right. because people are like, you know, it just keeps dropping. When's it going to stop dropping? But well, you can't I think, stop I think, that. I think there's an interesting point to that, though. Now, I'd love to hear your perspective because yeah. you're obviously an industry expert. I, well, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I, I dub the industry expert. I, ha I, have a, I, have a, I have a relationship with the industry in a way that makes me think, okay, so I think that this, this notion of oversupply or this notion of um, it's highly competitive here, is really interesting because I think it depends on what product category you're talking about. And so if you're looking at mid-range flower that's meh at best and mass-grown and, you know, sorted and trimmed by machines and all that stuff, um, that area definitely was oversaturated. But what I know for sure is our craft concept our craft grow smash hits by chemdog the legendary you know their best best pilgrim of social equity you could ever talk about and that he lost everything um you know everything and now he's back growing legal weed in in massachusetts and so happy to be part of our organization and i think ultimately people buy because of why we, we need to address the consumer where they are in this journey of cannabis, right? Yeah. And ultimately, um, if, you're, if, you're, if your business model is price, 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 there's a place for you. That's not our business model. Our business model is we want to tell awesome stories, represent amazing brands yep. and companies in our store. And this race to the bottom is unnecessary. It's not, it doesn't have to happen. I was just in Colorado last, this past week and 
I'm looking at the menu of a, of a really good friend of mine's dispensary, um, and I'm like, their price, this is their pricing, $59 for premium, $49 for the next level, $39 for the next level, oh and their cheapest eight was 29 bucks. And I'm just going, if they can do it in Colorado and maintain that pricing model, that's, we should be able to do the same. And this race to the bottom to me just tells me inexperience, zero marketing chops, um, zero ability to understand the customer or what that customer experience is when they're coming in. And that's why this has happened. We are sticking to our guns and our model's great and we're doing great. And I just feel like I wish more people got their arms around. You don't have to just adjust price. Tell a better story about your company. Yeah, and, and that's true too. And hopefully we can educate Make the, it the yeah, and a lot of the old school community, the legacy people, they understand craft and they understand that. Um, the new consumers coming in, we'll see what they understand and how they get educated. My concern is always just with, you know, the government showed that it's not uh, wise in the ways of regulation when they established prohibition. The government's attempting to, uh, and it really isn't the government because it started through initiative and referendum. Um, now it's going through legislative processes. You know, these systems are being set up to regulate cannabis. And, and I would argue that the, the systems are not beneficial ultimately to the consumers, the patients, the citizens, or the, plant. the entrepreneurs, or the and God, of course, the plant as well. The plant, but the plant can't vote. But you know, maybe we'll have a big one, big vote at the end. It should be able to, though. Wouldn't that be great? We just guess, take our lemon OG over and go. Okay, vote. <laughs> so, can provisions. Tell us more about can provisions. Uh, oh yeah. When did it start? And give us the whole overview of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I had the pleasure of basically starting can provisions in 2018. Um, and, um, you know, we, we have two retail locations, one in Lee, Massachusetts, right at the New York border, where the gateway to the beautiful Berkshires, if you haven't visited us. Fantastic. And then the other location is in Holyoke, Mass., which is um, really an urban project. We're big about urban redevelopment. We're big about bringing um, beautiful cities that Holyoke once was kind of back online. And if cannabis can be part of that vehicle, then we want to be there. And we're, we love our store there. Nice. And our grow is in Sheffield, Mass., um, pretty much as far away as you can get from Boston as possible. <laughs> um, but it's a it's a craft grow through and through. Um, we have you know total canopy of about seventeen thousand feet, which ten thousand is outdoors, so it right. tells you how tiny it is. And Chem Chem Dog is our cultivator. Um, he's our director of cultivation. Every product, every plant, every product we do in that store is inspected by him before it walks out the door. So. Are you guys doing uh, brands and manufacturing them and selling them to other uh, dispensaries as well? Well, th thank you for asking that. So our flower brand is Smash Hits. Smash, Smash Hits. Hits Cannabis. And it's uh, smashhitscannabis.com. Um, and right now, all we're doing is flower and pre-rolls. Um, but we do have a manufacturing license. And right. we're hoping... We'll get our feet under us with this market and see kind of how things are shaking out. But we have some ideas on how we're going to move forward with that as are well. Are you taking in brands from other states into your manufacturing center? Well, we don't have manufacturing up and going yet, so okay. not yet. But soon you will be able to. Hopefully, able to that, hopefully. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. there's going to be this mass migration and moving chess pieces around. There's some amazing brands out there. I would yeah. love, to, I mean, one of my favorite is Garden Society out of California. Erin mm -hmm. um, Gore runs an amazing, amazing brand. And that would be like my first, I would raise my hand first. And, and yeah. Tem Temple Hill already, already stole Nancy from me for, for Juana, but that would also be one of my choices. There's two <laughs> amazing women leaders in cannabis, and that's really right up my alley. Um, I really believe, you know, we have to 
change the leadership and change the leadership picture if we want to see change in the United States. Well, let's finish up with that because we got to stay on schedule. And obviously, people have gotten to know you a little bit. I've gotten to know you a little bit. I have lots yeah, of questions going to ask you, you once nice we're meet, yeah. done. Um, but let's finish up with what, what is buy weed from women? That's all that's. Uh, so for me, it is, um, it's definitely a kind of a, 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 a notion that started out of New York, but I think a lot of women have adopted it as a little bit of an ask. And I think we do have to make these blatant asks, buy, buy weed from social equity, support social equity, support women, support people that are underrepresented in, in the business world. And I, I'm, I just, you know, no offense to white men. I love my, my white man very, very much. <laughs> But um, at the end of the day, I love my white man too. We have to, we have to change. We have to change who's in power. We have to mix it up a little bit. And, it. and honestly, the numbers show that women-led companies do better. They just do. So I feel like we need to empower more women and more people of color. Um, anybody that's been impacted by the drug war, they need to have a, a place, a seat at the table, and that's what we're all about. Awesome. And just real, uh, so finally, and we're going to have your email and your website. How do people get in touch with you? Um, basically, uh, you can find me at cannaprovisions.com, um, smashitscannabis.com, on LinkedIn, I'm Meg Sanders, uh, on IG, I'm Megawana Mass, um, and Facebook, I'm Megan Sanders. So you can find me there. Um, and also, uh, Meg at cannaprovisions.com is my personal email, which I give out all the time. I, I'm really proud of the fact that I'm reachable and the average whoever can call me and talk to me about stuff. Well, Meg, we really appreciate this. Yeah, awesome. And this is exactly why we come to conferences like the Flower Expo, so that we can introduce you to other people and personally, so I can get to know you better. Because now I know you're a potential manufacturer partner called the Vivid Plus. <laughs> got a lot more information. We've got to do some business together. But we'll be back in a second with another episode of Mita Unshackled. Thank you. <laughs>